entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? Like many of us, I'm sure you're feeling it. Business is hard, and now more than ever, you need to have a plan to help your business not just survive, but thrive. And it can happen as simply with thinking with the end in mind. I'm Marcia Reiner. I'm a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability and guides your growth. And it also plans for your future exit because a business worth selling is also a business worth owning. And I want to share strategies that I've earned and learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have something to share with you. I put together an insightful Think Outside the Box masterclass. This 15-minute training has been specifically designed to help you learn how to get your business sale ready, even if you aren't thinking of selling it yet. Why now? Join me for all the benefits that come with having a sale-ready business. Register for free at scale, the number two, sell.biz. <clears throat> all right, so listeners, I'm excited to have one of my, uh, one of my sisters in, in business, uh, Leslie Hassler. Uh, she is a dynamic author, speaker, and business strategist guiding women-owned businesses and service-based businesses into more profits, cash flow, and success. Business owners come to Leslie seeking a way to strategically scale their business richly, stop the money leaks, and get back in control with confidence. Uh, using her more than 12 years of business experience in finance, mindset, and much more, Leslie takes multiple six- and seven-figure businesses from cash-strapped and struggling to profitable and thriving with her unique, scale-rich method. So I'm really excited. Leslie has two high school boys. She's an avid traveler and the past president of NABA, which is a fantastic women's uh, business organization out of Dallas. So Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Howdy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I said, um, interestingly enough that, you know, you're a fellow sister in the business strategist and growing companies. So it's such an honor to have you on the show. How in the world did this come about with you? How did you get into this lane? Oh, I always say it's very God-led. You know, this is my uh, 3.0 business, if you will. I had a, a, I ran an um, interior design and construction business for seven years. Successful at it, but was not happy in it at all. And so the last few years of that, I really walked around going, okay, God, if it's not this, then what? And that really forced me to look at what did I love in my business? What did I love that I did? And it came down to, I loved business. I really could have cared less if I was doing interior design. So I was like, okay, sign, you know, sign to be able to do something else. Um, just those conversations led me into this work. I think it's part of what's able to fuel my soul. It also keeps me from being a serial entrepreneur that I think would drive my husband absolutely batty. Um, so it's a way for me to take my gifts, um, the things that I'm really good at, and share it with more people so that they can have profitable and successful businesses. Love it. Love it. It is so important that that we have found, because that was the same similar story or similar path that you know, I was doing it in my business so much that I found I'd rather help others do it because it meant so much more to me, you know, and had such a passion project. 
And it was so funny. I was doing, um, I was in the financial services world and I was sharing the stuff that I was learning about my business growth with my clients. They wanted that more than my financial planning <laughs> advice, which, you know, those are a dime a dozen anyways these days. But um, yeah, so it, it transformed me. So I'm excited that uh, you had a similar path on that. All right. So you mentioned that, um, you know, you like to work with people and get them more profitable. Mm -hmm. And we do it in a way of growing our business, obviously. So we had a conversation before and we were talking about kind of what is the real difference between growing your business, which honestly, I think you have to do or you're dying and scaling your business, which is a different way of growing it. Why don't you explain the two a little bit for us? Sure. And I think it's a really crucial conversation because they're both incredibly important to your business and the journey of your business. But it's not as if you do one and then you do the other and then you only do the other. Right. Right. It, and what I find is, is that people, when they need to be growing, they try to scale and they just they struggle so much with the scaling side of things because they weren't done growing. So you really need to understand the relationship between them. You need to understand what's different about them, what okay. you can expect from them, and why that matters. So here's okay. here's the, um, we'll start off with what they are. In my world, I look at growth, it's, it's foundational things. It is the things that get you to the point of being able to scale. So typically that looks like being able to reliably get clients, being able to serve your clients, being able to, you know, take forms of payment and pay your bills on time. It's it's some really basic things. But the, the crux with growth is that growth devours cash. Mm. The thing though, that people try to solve, the problem that I see people try to solve all the time with growth is creating more cash. And so you're, you're asking a necessary part of your business journey to do something that it can't do. Oh. And so you really have to understand and um, position your business to be able to almost pre-fund that growth so that it has time to mature. And let me let me kind of give you a couple of examples. Um, like when I first kind of came across this concept and I was trying to flesh it out for myself and so that I could explain it to my clients, I was talking to um, somebody in the neighborhood and I was like, okay, but growth devours cash. And I was telling him this concept and some studies that I was reading and he goes, oh, that has happened to me. And I said, okay, what happened? He goes, well, I bought my father's business. We needed to update the inventory system. We had to take everything electronic, big six-figure investment in doing this. I said, okay, I'll bite. How long did it take you to see money from that investment? And he goes, 18 months. Wow. That's how long it took from the time he spent the money to the time he actually saw it return. And that is a true growth maneuver, foundational, revolutionized mm -hmm. this business, made him more competitive, like all of these right things. The thing it didn't do was put money in the bank right away. Huh. That's the biggest challenge that small business bootstrap businesses face is having the cash flow going through so they can do that. And that was a long investment and a large investment. So that took a lot of faith, right? It took a lot of faith, right? But it also made really good business sense. If you think about it, like he, it was logical. And I think a lot of people make logical decisions. But like you just pointed out, big bet, long-term play. 
people don't always um, understand that each of these growth moves have different timelines. And depending on where your money is in your business, are you in an imperative like, um, I need some money, like, um, like yesterday? Now. <laughs> um, are you stable? <laughs> like you're not, you're not rolling in it, but you're not hurting? Or are you in a flush position? The mm. greater your cash imperative, likely the shorter your strategies need to be because you need the money to come back faster. You just can't afford to wait the 18 months or so that right. it, you know, that might happen. So I think that's a big uh, characteristic of growth that surprises people and really can knock them for a loop. Um, when it comes to scalability, scalability is about an exponential return. So in growth, you, you basically, you're investing a dollar, you get a dollar back. It's a one-to-one -one kind of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Scalability, you invest that dollar and you get tens or hundreds of or thousands or more back, right? We always love the bigger return. But that is when you really are talking about doing a few th other things in your business. So scalability produces enough cash that become profits. So if you mm. can produce enough profits, you'll have enough cash left over at the end of the day, basic profitability. Um, scalability is sometimes about efficiencies. Sometimes mm. it's about maximizing what you're doing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's about reaching capacity with the team that you already have, but you already have those foundations. You're just working on getting more with what you have and getting a higher return on investment for those love efforts. It. Love it. I love how you defined that the growth was simply getting better at something or bigger at something or something foundational, not necessarily bigger. But then the scaling is when you take that and you put it on steroids, right? That's where exactly. you're going to get one for a hundred or one for 10 or one for five. Yeah. Either way, it's, it's still a great move. And I love the differentiation because I hear these two words intermixed so many times when people talk about growth or they talk about scaling or they talk about, oh, you always need to grow, but you don't always need to scale. And I thought, <clears throat> then you're going to be trapped under this glass ceiling if you don't ever scale. Mm -hmm. And and I thought that's why this was such an important conversation to come into was to really differentiate the two and bring some ideas on when they should be happening. And yes, they should be happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I say, I, I think <clears throat> in advance, you typically will go through periods of growth and then you should naturally go through periods of scaling. The scaling capitalizes on all that growth. But if all you ever do is the hard growth, then you you really lock yourself down in mm. terms of opportunity and potential. Exactly. And the whole role of you becoming a business owner is to, yes, take care of livelihood and all that other kind of stuff. But it's to make a customer and make more customers. And you can only make more if you're scaling the team or the processes or the 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 products that you offer yeah. and and that that requires constant consistency in that so interesting all right so let's talk a little bit more about some of the areas we might want to structure and grow with um maybe earlier on or we're in phase two or i loved how you said 3.0 you know um if we're in if we're in 1.0 version or if we're in 2.0 version or 3.0 version what might we want to do to grow because i know that you come back into the growth after you scale right yes so you know the first the first name of the game is always in getting some clients in the door that is a valid thing to worry about and a valid point in time to be able to really do but if you 
only worry about that and never worry about the back end or your process or your systems or making it more efficient or maybe hiring some help and some support um, to help you with that work, then really all you're doing is creating a very heavy <laughs> burnout ridden job, right? Mm. And, and you're the, the boss, right? You're, you're the you're employee the boss. and the boss and that boss is a biatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she really is not a nice person, let me tell you. Um, he or she is really not that nice person, but basically you're, you're wearing all the hats. You're the chief cook and bottle washer. That's yeah. not yeah. the best use of your time. It's a valid um, point along the journey, but you really do have to get into the point in time to say, okay, then it's about how do you create capacity? So the first part of your growth move is get clients in the door. Know that you can reliably with at least a decent marketing message. I don't even think you have to be perfect because goodness, <laughs> goodness, you don't have to be perfect, but just with a decent enough to be able to get those clients to come in. Your red flags are when you are working so hard in your business, you cannot possibly think about working longer, working harder, getting more clients. And yet there's nothing in the bank account. That's a really good sign that you need to move into thinking a little bit more strategic with what, how you're going to scale your business. Nice. And I love that because, you know, we all go through that phase. Everybody has at least two or three or five times, you know, I've gone through that phase of let's grow. And then now I'm stressing and I'm struggling. And then you, you, you kind of go over the hump again and then you're doing well and then you're struggling again. So so it's that early part of the year. So I guess I would call that my phase one or, or um, you know, Marcia 1.0. Yeah. Um, so, so I love that. And I think that we need to prepare with that growth and do a little investment in ourselves before that growth can actually continue. Um, and there's that breaking point, right? Where, like you said, you're tapped out and it's time now to, you know, give yourself a little bit more space that's when you start doing the scaling, right? That's when you start putting in that I need to bring in another person or two, or I need to, you know, make my system a little bit more automated or, you know, take something off my plate and give it to somebody else kind of thing, right? Yes, and you brought up a couple of, of really good points I wanna make sure we, we I validate. One is that for every level that your business is going to go through, you personally will be going through the same up-leveling. So that's your, you know, the, the, I always say the ticky tack of what we do is the, the business part of it, but the soft side of what we do is the, the mindset, the beliefs, the how mm -hmm. to support that new kind of growth. So really, really important. Unfortunately, we, none of us get out of it. We all have to get through it. <laughs> the sooner you can be okay with that, the better it will be. Let me, uh, uh, self-confessed, you know, um, kind of revelation there. But I think the the second part of it is, is that when you're at this stage, you often feel like time and money are competing. Like you, mm. when you have the money, you never have the time. When you have the time, you don't have the money, right? And so it's so easy to get locked into this groundhog day of frustration over and over and over. That's why the part of coming back in and finding cash and rerouting cash in such a way that you can actually fuel that next level Chances are, if you've got clients and if you're busy, we can find the money. The money's in your business. It's just you've been so busy at bringing it in the door. You haven't told it how to behave in the business. And so we just need to make some money moves so that you can see your opportunity 
to be able to do that. And I think one um, what one of the things I commonly see at this stage, especially if somebody has team, is one of two things. They might not have the right team <laughs> that really can help them scale, right? Right. You tend to have people that will support you, but aren't really comfortable with this radical growth that you have envisioned. That's a challenge a lot. Um, the other part that I see is that the business center just hasn't put enough structure into the business to allow those team members to really reach their capacity. I think, especially in service businesses, it's easy to get busy, but that yeah. doesn't mean you're effective. And so we, we just- So often, true, so true. So true, right? <laughs> busyness, here's your truth for the day. Busyness does not make for a good business. Mm. You know, well, business is that corporate mentality that we kind of brought with us, an old paradigm, but it just doesn't make for a good business. Oftentimes what I see, especially if you do have team and you think they're the rock stars, they're operating at about a 60% capacity. If that. If that, right? <laughs> I'm being generous. I don't need them to offer. You don't need them to work at 100% because nobody is ever sure. 100%. But dude, if we could get them to 80 like if you could just close that 20% gap, that's profit. That's stuff that goes it. to the bottom line. Love it. Well said. I think it's so important to get everybody working efficiently and effectively that you can grow. But you made a really, really good point is that you your people may be holding you back as well. Like they might not be able to self um self-decide or, or analyze the situation and make decisions on their own and then run back to you, the founder, and go, oh, can I do this or should I do this? And then that could bottleneck you up even further. So I love the idea that you have to, you have to engage and encourage your, your team to be able to move and scale with that. And I think that's part of the hiring uh, skill set and part of the continuous engagement with your team that's so important. It truly is. It's an evolution that you'll go through as you're kind of going through is you become a less the worker. You know, your job becomes less about doing all the work and more about ensuring the work gets done. Mm. And that is a, an entirely different skill set, you know, because people can be really good at what they do, but feel really uncomfortable when it comes to being a, a visionary leader in their business. Yeah, we're all control freaks. We know it. We know it. <laughs> you know, we own that control thing. Um, but that's yeah. a huge shift. And it's part of your natural as a founder, your ability to grow and scale because that yeah. scaling is bringing in more people. But it's also freeing up the time that you need to be able to focus on the growth and the scaling. So yeah. this is a great conversation, Leslie. I'm loving this. All right. So... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about maybe second stage or third stage growth that we're going to we're going to focus on and how we can match that scale and maybe even more of how could we recognize when we're coming into a phase where we're going to shift and grow or shift and scale. So I think the wrecking recognizing is part instinct and gut. It's part Especially if you've been on I mean, the, the thing that keeps me up all night, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you've been on the roller coaster long enough, you start to recognize the the signs that something's coming. But I think for the logical side of things, you need to have, you know, some some KPIs in place. You need to be 
I don't think you have to be the one um, doing all your books. I think that's a, a waste of a, no. of a business. No, never do your own books. Hire a bookkeeper really early and, and do the yes. research to get a good one. If you can't get a P&L statement from your bookkeeper within an hour, probably not the right bookkeeper. Because honestly, it takes 30 seconds. And I, I you joke and I laugh, but I've had clients that I'm like, can you get a PL? And three weeks or later, they're like, I still don't have a PL. And I'm like, we need a new bookkeeper because that is a tool. It's a tool yes. that you, as the owner, need to be able to use. You don't need to 100%. be an expert, but we need to be able to use these tools to be able to tell us things. So Make there are decisions. predictive predictive tools and and there are you know lagging tools and we use kind of those things to make solid decisions but i think what you'll find is that if you're intentional in knowing that okay i want to have let's just use the seven figure business because that's the trend right i want a million dollars it sounds good i want a million dollar business and you're at two hundred thousand, and it's just yourself you know the growth move is going to be about team or some way to deliver at scale um, you're going to bring those people in, right? And then the scale move is about getting capacity, getting everybody, every juice that you can get and bringing that up. That's going to get you probably up to 750. Now, the first move will get you to half a million. The second move will get you to 750. But mm-hmm. then there's this gap between 750 and a million mm-hmm. that you'll hit. So that is our 3.0 of going okay. And I think there's a couple of things, like I said, instinct and KPIs, but there's also this consideration that we need to have as business owners in, is this the business I want to own? Is this the life I want to live, right? And really check in because that 750 mark, you're gonna have a lot of good stuff in in place, especially if you're a service business. And if you're not a service business, you're a product, you're probably going to be maybe at three to five million. You know, the, the zeros just change, but the stages remain the same, if you will. Love it. <clears throat> but you're going to want to double check. Is this creating the life that you want? Is it creating the profits that you want? Is it giving you the owner benefit? Because it needs to give you an owner benefit. And it 100%. needs to be sooner not later. This is not a prize to be won. This is something the game, the name of the game, I just wrote it this earlier today is like, the name of the game has to shift from being profitable someday when you're big enough, you've worked hard enough, you've done all the right things to being profitable as small as possible. Love it. To reap the rewards and you should, you know, so I always say you've invested your time, blood, sweat, tears, weekends, nights, your kids, baseball game, whatever it is, you've invested all that in getting profitable sooner rather than later is I love that idea. You know, it, it is really it is really a recognition that you have to take and look back at yourself because so many people hate their job because they're still in their swing in the hammer instead of leading the company and being the visionary, as you said earlier. And I think that's the shift that you want, because if you stay swinging the hammer, running around driving customers as a realtor, or or doing the taxes as the CPA, you know, rather than going, okay, I'm seeing organizing, you do that part, and I'll keep doing this part. And I think that's the realization that we should make even before we hit that 750 Mm -hmm. mark. Do I like what I'm doing and can I enjoy it more? Yeah. And we all spend ridiculous hours at at our desk. Exactly. And there are things that will suck your soul dry. 
That was honestly what I was suffering from in my first business. My soul was being sucked out of my body. And there are things that will feed your soul. Mm. And, you know, one of the considerations we always talk about with our clients is like, what is it that you love to do? And let's hold on to that. Even if it's not like, let's say you're the realtor and you love to drive people around like you love the hunt. You know, that's one of your payoffs. Well, as a million dollar, three million dollar business, five million dollar business, can you be doing the hunt all the time? No, you can't. But that doesn't mean you have to give up the hunt. Right. You just redefine what where that is. And so even we have um, one client that happens to be a financial planning firm and it's we're getting her to that top five percent of her clients so that she still has impact the thing that she loves. But we've made space right for her mm. to be able to mentor team for her to bring diversity into her industry, all these things that really light her up and do it in a way that also, you know, pays the mortgage and allows for her to have the experiences that she wants to have in her in her life. I love it. Yeah, I had a financial planner as well that we were talking about scaling to a million. She's like, no, I can do it on my own. And I'm mm. like, at what cost? And yeah. she goes, oh, I can if I do it like this, this, this and that. And I'm like, at what cost? <laughs> you know, because she's not going to she's going to get to the point where she can no longer enjoy the job because she's busy doing too much of it for her to truly scale and um, or or truly grow to that number and have it be enjoyable and comfortable and still be beneficial to the customer. So I think that that's really, really important. All right. Um, you've shown us a lot of signs. I mean, I keep seeing them going, yeah, that's a good one. And yeah, that's another really good one that we all need to face and realize. And tell me, this doesn't happen overnight, does it? <laughs> No, it doesn't happen overnight because likely you've spent some time in creating habits and, and pathways in your business. And then what I like to say is, you know, we'll we'll come in and we'll take a Fiat and turn it into a Tesla. But we have <laughs> to keep the car running, right? We have hmm. to make sure that the business doesn't capsize in the middle. And if you don't do these things sequentially, if you don't do them with strategy and preparation, you'll you'll fall in the middle. So you do need to think about that. But I also say it can happen a lot faster than you ever thought possible. And we're we've we have um, one client last. So we we just hit a year. So we started, you know, spring of uh, 2021 in nine months, her personal take home out outgrossed her previous revenue. So that's the money wow. she took home in just in nine months. And when we outlined what that growth forecast could look at, like what a profit plan would look like, how this could shape up. When I said, I think I can get you to 1.9 and I think you can take home 800. Do you believe that? And she was like, I don't think that'll ever happen. I was like, okay, well, let's just try. Let's just try. <laughs> I, and away. So I think if, I, that's the time thing. Like, yes, it's going to take effort. Yes, you're going to have to change some habits. Yes, you likely are going to have to do something differently because you want a different enough result. Love it. So Love not overnight, but, you know. Totally possible and totally doable. Totally and I think the thing that, that, that you and I both face on a frequent basis with our potential clients is that they think, well, I can just 
do hard, I can just do a little bit more. I can just make mm-hmm. one more phone call. I can just do another hour here. I don't need help. And that's the difference where I think that having a good advisor on top of your team is going to help you to be able to shift and, and move that, what did you call it? A fiat to a Tesla? <laughs> yeah, I and, go from a and, fiat to a Tesla. I love it. And make it run better because you and I are in a position that allows us to see the gaps that are occurring and be able to shift due to our experience and everything else and shift the clients in a way that they didn't see because they're so deep in the trenches of the company. They're too close to the problem. And I do think that as entrepreneurs, you know, one of the best characteristics is that we're highly independent. We believe in ourselves. We know we can make it happen. But the truth of it is, is that there's no stinking gold star for doing it alone. None, none. Love it. And I think that's one of those old paradigms of hard work and got to earn it. And it is an industrialized basis of success in a non-industrialized world. This is not industrialization. It's not our commodity anymore, right? It's our experience. It's -hmm. our knowledge. And knowledge isn't about manual labor. It's just not. And so we haven't fully transitioned out of this hard work type of thing. And and instead of going, well, how can I work harder to going, how can it be easier? How can I do, I I actually have this up there. It's like, how can we double our business and work less? How can we do that? That's the name of the game. It's not about working more. So if you likely will have to shift what you're doing, but I can't, if somebody tells me, well, I have to work 80 hours a week. I'm like, what are you punishing yourself for? It's so true. I had an attorney that was telling me when we first started working together, he was in the office most of Saturday and often on his laptop on Sunday morning. I wonder how he, you know, uh, why the divorce happened, but you know, he would work long hours because he was doing all the work. Now he had his legal assistant and, you know, doing the nominal little tasks, but really it wasn't until we were able to bring in an associate that would do some of the grunt work that he was telling me later, oh my gosh, I have all this free time. I'm loving it. And we're making more money. Yeah. And I find that um, there's also something called the competing commitment that people have in their brain. Mm-hmm. It that really is subconscious. Sometimes they, they don't know it. We have to dig it out and sift it through. When you, Especially when you can see the results and when the profitability gets a stable and secure business where they still won't trust. They won't mm-hmm. trust the business to perform and they won't trust themselves to let go because it truly comes down to the trust, right? And so when you look at what's that competing commitment that your brain has made that probably your three-year-old or four-year-old self heard from your parents or your grandparents or an uncle or aunt or something about why you can't let go. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we say a lot all the time is like, in order to grow, you're going to have to let go. You cannot go to a buffet plate you know, it's like trying to go to a buffet and trying to pile it, you know, a mile. I got to get my money's worth. <laughs> I got to get my money's worth. Eventually it's going to fall out or you're going to have a heart attack. One of the two. Right. But why? Why can't it be about ease? And why can't it be about profit? And why can't it be about impact and purpose and, you know, joy and freedom? It and can you know be. what? That's wonderful because that is so important 
we started a business because we thought we could do something better or, or faster or get rid of the boss or whatever it is. That's our in, on, entrepreneurial mindset. But at the same time, nobody said it had to be really, really hard. You mm -hmm. make it hard. Mm -hmm. And you, there are ways of making it easy. And there's so many opportunities for those that can scale and grow their business to have an enjoyable company that pays revenue now, fantastic revenue now, profits now, and you know, you've got an asset that you can sell later on because you've built it in a way that it runs and it yep. runs well, and it may even run better without you. Isn't it's always a fun day when you figure that out, <laughs> right? I love it. it to you, you will. Uh, I know I did it myself. I was like, "What the heck have I been doing? Why? 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 Why?" And now it becomes the game of like, "Okay, let's let's play. Let's see how far I can take it." You know, love it. It's a fun love game. It. it is, and business is fun, and there's tons of benefits to it. Now we just have to get you listeners having fun again. Yep. All right, Leslie, where can listeners find out more about you and getting a business that they want? Sure. Well, we have a great guide. Um, it's 21 ways to be able to find more cash in your business and use it to fuel your business growth. Um, just some strategies to be, help you reroute the cash that's already in your business so that you can do the things you'd like to do. And you can find that at yourbizrules.com forward slash 21 ways. Quick little download. Lots of um, great information in there. And I always love, like, if you download it, you've got to send me back a response and says, here's what I found. Because it's my fun game. And I love hearing some people call, I just found $10,000 in 10 minutes. I'm like, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go find some more. Right? right? Because I think that's that's when people find joy again. And they're like, they really start to open up to the possibilities that their business likely has the money that they need. They just need to make some different money moves. I love it. Love it. So smart. You know, I mean, this is, we all need to think about our business and our finances just a little bit differently because, you know, we shake out those cushions and you can find stuff that will allow you the space and the time and the, the energy to grow. Because as we said in the beginning, you've got to keep growing. And balancing that growth versus scale and growth versus scale and, and getting you to a position where it's no longer a headache and it's a joy to have. And so, Leslie, you've shared some fantastic ideas with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great, great time. You, you bet. All right, listeners, I hope you found an idea or two or three or four to put into your business that will help your business be more profitable. Don't forget, now more than ever, it's important to build your business like you want to sell it. Don't forget to register for my new free 15-minute training on how to get your business sale ready, even if you aren't thinking of selling it yet. There are tons of benefits to having a sale-ready business. As we've been talking, more freedom, more money, and it's easier to run. Go register for free at scale, the number two, sell.biz. You don't want to miss this class. And Leslie and I would love to hear your ideas. Maybe you go download that report and tell us what you've done to find money and to change and maybe what you've done, you know, are you in growth mode right now or are you in scaling mode right now? And is it working? So comment below, tell us what's going on in your life and Leslie and I had to answer it back. 
So don't forget to subscribe as well. You want to hear more shows. So you can always catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. We're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks so much, Leslie. Thank you.